0: Jesus is real there's power in your name we find hope and trust in your ways we need Jesus is real Jesus says if you want to really find your life you have to give it up if you really want true fulfillment it's not about you It's about something greater than you, that you, the autonomous you individual will never make you happy, that the only way you will be happy is when you find yourself within a community with other people and you don't live only for what you want, but you
1: live for what they need. You live to help them. Fulfillment, happiness, purpose. It seems like everyone is searching for these things. We want our lives to have meaning and to make us feel good. Today, on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel urges you to align your mindset with God's. You'll discover that God says that you'll only find happiness and fulfillment when you serve others. You'll experience deep joy and contentment when you seek to love and serve those around you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 15 as he continues his message, The Work of the ministry.
0: don't break up because of music. They break up because of personality conflicts. Right? The, the, the peripheral things get in the way of the main thing, why they got together in the first place. And in the same way, it's like in the work of ministry, you want to be able to trust the people around you. And I think the key for each one of us is to figure out, can I be a trustworthy person for people? See, so often we, you know, I always say like we, we demand things of other people, things that we're not willing to do. Like if you want to have a friend, what do you need to be first? You need to be a friend. If, if you want to receive love, what do you have to do? You have to give love. You want to receive kindness, what do you have to start with? Kindness. Now, if you're not kind, do you think people are going to be kind back to you? Unless someone's really walking with Jesus, they'll return your cursing with blessing. But other than that, you're going to get back what you put into it. It's the principle of sowing and reaping, right? But the thing is, if you want to be trusted, then you need to trust people and you need to be a trustworthy person. Right? So Paul's saying, Look, first I trust you, but then he says, Look, I really want to strengthen you. Look what he says, verse fifteen. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points, as reminding you because of the grace which was given to me by God. He's like, look, even though I trust you, there's different points that I'm writing to you boldly about. And if you have been traveling with us through the book of Romans, we've seen the apostle Paul has been breaking open all sorts of stuff for us. Now, if you haven't been, all of this stuff is archived on our website, on our the Crossroads mobile app for free. You can access all the messages. I want you to study all of Paul's letter because this is showing us who is Jesus, what does he mean in our day and age, and how ought we to live because of who he is? He's saying, even though you can take care of this yourself, I've written more boldly. He's like, look, there's still strengthening to be done. Notice, why is he doing it? Verse 16, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, that I might be a servant of Jesus Christ. the Gentiles. And the Romans were were the Gentiles. They were the non-Jewish people. And really Paul's goal, and we're going to get to that, is to to move past Rome into places that, you know, we don't even know if there was churches in that day and age. But he's saying, I want to be a minister and I want to fulfill the calling that God has on my life. And, And then he says, why does he want to do this? He's like, I want to minister the gospel of God that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Now, I love this. Talk about the work of ministry. Paul's like, I want to strengthen you that you, the church in Rome, the the non-Jewish churches, that you might be an acceptable offering to God. That you might be set apart by the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, the most powerful way to live your life is to say my job is to help people and their lives be acceptable offerings to the Lord. And my goal in life is to help people be sanctified, set apart by the Spirit of God, that I might be a vehicle in people's lives. Now, here's what I want to tell you. You can do that from any office and seat in life. A mom, a dad, a single person. You work in a school or for the sanitation department. You become an elected official. You go on staff at a church. You are retired and you spend your time pouring into people. Whatever you find yourself in life, you can do this work. It's not specific to a vocation. It is a way of living life. And you have to ask yourself this. Are you living in such a way that you are serving Jesus and serving people that people's lives may be acceptable offerings to the Lord. That their life might be further sanctified. See, the work of ministry is trusting people to work with them and then also saying, I have something to give as well. It's like what Paul told the church in Ephesus, this idea of strengthening people. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. He says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. It's about how we use our words. I mean, Paul's been writing for 15 chapters, trying to build up the church in Rome, right? Our words matter. And we want to be the kind of people who we use our words to help strengthen people. We don't, we let no corrupt words, anything that is not holy, pure. We don't let those things leave our mouths. But only what's good for necessary edification. That we might impart grace to people. Do you impart grace to people today? You know, it's one of the things I love so much about the Crossroads family because so many of you are just so encouraging. You know, so many of you speak life into one another. I I get to hear some of some of these stories about situations that go on where someone's going through something in their small group and all of a sudden someone just starts ministering God's grace into their lives. I want to keep encouraging you to do that. Build people, say, my goal is to strengthen people. My goal is to build them up. My goal is to be a grace giver. Something goes on, we give them grace. We speak the truth in love. We encourage Even the way we challenge people to take more bold steps or to step away from things, that is filled with grace, not judgment that drives us away from the Lord, but we use grace and we say, listen, God's got a plan. You know God's got a plan. You know that God wants you to take that step. I'm not telling you something you don't know. I love you. I'm I'm here with you. I'm going to walk with you through this. See, Paul is saying to the church in Rome, he's like, look, I trust you guys. You don't need me, but I do have something to give you. See, that's why we want all of you in a small group here at Crossroads. Because all of you have something to give. We're all teachers and we're all students. We're all, and listen, and that includes me. I know you all know this, I just want to remind everyone, Fusco hasn't been perfect not one day in my life. I've been in ministry for 20 years, I haven't been perfect one day in the ministry in 20 years. Every single day is a day to grow. I like to say we're all in process, we're all in process. Every single day is a day to learn. And the things that I learn In the midst of the Crossroads family is so beautiful. I see what when different people function in different ways, I say, man, hey, what was that all about? All this, I'm like, ooh, I'm not doing that. I need to start doing that. Because we're all growing together. We're all in process. God's doing work. But it begins with this idea that we trust one another, and then we want to strengthen one another. And then from there, look what the Apostle Paul says. In verse 17, he says, Therefore, I have a reason to glory in Christ Jesus and the things which pertain to God for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum I have fully preached The gospel of Christ. Now, you see what Paul does here. Paul says, look, I trust you and I want to strengthen you. And I I, I want to be a minister of the gospel of God, of Jesus Christ. And and I want to make sure that the Gentiles are an acceptable offering to God and sanctified. But then he says, therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. Why? Because it is Jesus's ministry, not ours. See, Paul moves from, look, I have something to give you. I want to strengthen you. He's like, but guess what? It's not mine. And I'm not going to boast as if it's me. It's Jesus's ministry. Look, verse 18. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and in deed to make the Gentiles obedient. He's saying, listen. All that's gone on in and through the ministry that I've been involved in has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus. And now listen, this is an important way to live your life. When you realize that if you're truly following Jesus and if you're truly saying, my life is geared towards the work of ministry, it's not mine. And I'll be honest with you, one of the greatest struggles that the people of God have is when God uses people and people begin to think it's mine. I'll never forget when I was a young pastor, I was talking with, I was an assistant pastor, my pastor, John Henry Corcoran. We were talking about ministry, what it means to be a a leader, all these things. He said, you know, Daniel, he's like, what I want to encourage you is this. If you ever feel like if someone were to ask you not to do what you're doing, that you're stepping down, you realize that your heart is wrong. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, if you have to step down, it means you're up. He's like, in the end of the day, you just need to learn that if any time you need to take a step, you're just stepping aside. Because God wants to use someone else. He's like, but right as you think you're up, then that step down hurts. He's like, but if you're a follower of Jesus, there's no up. There's only Jesus going up and us going down. That's a word of God, isn't it? That's a powerful reality. Because sometimes we get like, this is my thing. No, 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 hold on. It's Jesus' thing. And he allows us to be involved in it. And if, I've always said, if, if if the Crossroads board were to say, Fusco, we love you, but man, we're done with you, I'd be like, it's about time, you crazy people. You know? But like, I shouldn't feel bad about that because if God wants to do something else, and, and don't freak out, I mean, I was on vacation, some people were like, where'd you go? Are you leaving us? No, man, you're stuck with me for a long time. But like, but in the end of the day if God wants to do something else why should I feel like it's mine? No, it's the Lord's work. And listen, God and, and there's nothing more beautiful than when you get to hold your hands open and say, "Lord, what's the work you want to do today?" And God's going to put things in, and he's going to take things out, but it's his work. And the apostle Paul saying, "Look, I'm not going to boast. It's not mine." I don't have anything to do with this. This is the Lord's work. He says it this way in Galatians chapter six, verses 14 and 15. He says, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. He said, God forbid that I boast in anything except what Jesus has done. Now, I want to take a a pause here for a second because I realize that, Here at Crossroads, not everyone is a follower of Jesus. And some of you are saying to yourself, what are you talking about right now? Here's what I'm talking about. Um, Here's what I want to tell you. What God's word teaches, what the Bible teaches is simply this. If you live your life based on your own agenda, where it's all about you, you will never be happy. You will never be fulfilled. That if you... Try and live your life as if you are the center of the solar system. You are going to be very disconcerted to realize that nothing revolves around you. No body revolves around you. And if there was a, this is the disease of our generation, it's that everyone has been told because of incessant marketing, because they want the dollars from your pocket, or they want you to be in debt to credit cards, that everything is meant to be done your way. And when you realize that that's actually, that might be a way to get your money, but that is not the way real life happens. Jesus says, if you want to really find your life, you have to give it up. If you really want true fulfillment, it's not about you. It's about something greater than you. That you, the autonomous you individual, will never make you happy. That the only way you will be happy is when you find yourself within a community with other people. And you don't live only for what you want, but you live for what they need. You live to help them. And what's amazing is, is for people who say, well, I don't believe that. You've actually never tried the other side. But all of the feelings of cognitive dissonance, the emotional lack of fulfillment that you find from all these things that you're trying to achieve, they're already showing you that they're unfulfilling. And I feel like I can share that with you because I've been down that road. I didn't know this stuff. I designed my whole life for 21 years with me at the center of the solar system. I couldn't understand why nobody else was so focused on me. Right. And then what I realized is it was never supposed to be this way. And then when I started reading the scripture. I realized that thousands of years before Jesus came on the earth, there was a man named Adam and Eve, and they made one fatal mistake that set this whole thing in motion. When their eyes were opened, really what happened was, and notice, their eyes were open, and they automatically noticed themselves, and they felt shame for their nakedness. Self-awareness, the self-centeredness. See, Satan didn't lie to them. He just didn't tell them the whole story. He says, God doesn't want you to eat that. Because when, when you do, you'll be like God. What Satan didn't tell them is that they weren't going to be God. They were going to want to be God, but they're not God. And the, the human condition today, the struggle of our culture right now, is that nobody can fathom why everyone else isn't focused on them. And no amount of Instagram likes, which you won't have anymore after this week, because they're pulling those things, No amount of people agreeing with you. All of the attempts to build an identity on a self-centered, self-styled life, it will never fulfill you. It won't. So Jesus says, listen, I want you to live a more excellent way. A way based on love, true joy, peace, patience. He invites us through the narrow gate to believe in him and to follow him. A more excellent way. A way that we would never have devised of our own. It sounds counterintuitive. And it is because it's not natural or supernatural. And I believe there's some of you today. Today God wants, He's inviting you. He's saying, listen, I want you to live differently. I want you to see your life as it's Jesus' work. It's His plan, not your plan. And you subordinate your ideas, your, finite ideas to the purposes and plans of an infinite God. You're not all-knowing ideas to the plans of the all-knowing one. That's the invitation. But the whole time, whatever God does, you never try and take credit for it. The Apostle Paul could have taken credit for all sorts of things. Look at what he says. He says in Word and D, verse 19, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Holy Spirit... See, the Apostle Paul, he was walking in signs and wonders. The book of Acts tells us all these amazing stories about the Apostle Paul. Things like if people would pass his shadow, they'd get healed. People who touch cloths that he had worn. I mean, mean, Paul got bit by a viper, and they thought, oh man, that guy was a murderer. He's going to drop dead. And he was a murderer, but he didn't drop dead. And they're like, oh man, this guy's a god. They didn't even know what to do with him. It's unbelievable, really. Really? And you can imagine how easy it is, you know, like the Apostle Paul didn't start Apostle Paul Ministries, you know, it's amazing. But the Apostle Paul's focus, the reason God could use him is it wasn't about him. It was about Jesus and he always knew it. And listen, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to say to yourself, it's not mine, it's Jesus's. Your family is not yours, it's Jesus's. And you get to fulfill a role within that family. The work that God has you doing, you're not up. We're all just serving the Lord humbly, with joy in our hearts. Now, notice what he says here. At the end of verse 19 and going forward, he says... So that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ, and so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he has not he was not announced they shall see, and those who have not heard they shall understand. Really what the Apostle Paul is talking about is something that we are very passionate about here. And it's simply this, that God wants you and I, let's reach the unreached. Let's reach the unreached. See, the Apostle Paul's plan was to be able to bring the gospel where the gospel had not been named before. He's saying, from Jerusalem, which is obviously where Jesus did his ministry right there in modern-day Israel, roundabout to Illyricum, which would on a map would be probably modern-day Yugoslavia, Albania. I know that the borders are always changing. Somewhere in that area, the Apostle Paul has said, I fully preached the gospel. Now, it doesn't mean that he went to every single community, but in all the major centers, the Apostle Paul had brought the gospel, He had done missionary work. I mean, really, the the last two-thirds of the book of Acts is about the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys. And he's like, I've been to all the major centers all through this region, right? But then notice what he says. What's Paul's focus? And this is really why he's writing this letter to the church in Rome. He's saying to them, so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not, and I love this, not where." Christ was named, lest I should build on another person's foundation. He's saying, look, I want to bring the good news to people who haven't heard it yet. What we call unreached people. He's saying, I want to make sure I bring the gospel, not where Christ is named. Now, this is important, and I think this is important, because each one of us, there are people that God, who have not heard the gospel in this world today. I mean, you know, we live in a day and age where in, in some ways in America, you know, there's so much Christianity, right? And there, there are literally churches that, that they exist to try and pull people out of crossroads. Literally. Almost everyone in church, they're from crossroads, right? And it's like, it's kind of a sad thing, but in, in some ways, when you don't have a vision of ministry, that's where you land. You land, we want to build on another person's foundation, right? But when we have the heart of God, God wants us to reach people who don't have the gospel. Now, we realize that we live in statistically one of the least churched regions in America. So the fact that churches wanna reach other churches' Christians is craziness. But, but this is what we do as a church. We're not trying to reach other churches' people. We wanna reach the 90% of the people in our community who don't know the Lord. That's our focus. Why? Because why would we want to find someone from someone else's church? You know, like we, we want people to be fully engaged in their church family. We, we, we're not in competition with another church. We believe in the body of Christ, right? So our intentional focus as a church is for people who are outside of the church, people who don't know the church. That's why we do all the social media stuff, all the stuff in the community, right? But not only we focused on that, we live in a day and age where there are over 2 billion people on the globe who don't have access to hear the gospel in their own language, that area, it's called the 1040 window, 10 degrees and 40 degrees latitude across Northern Africa, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, and Asia. Literally, there are people who couldn't even hear John 316 in their own language. Now, the fact that 2,000 years into people following Jesus, the fact that that is still the case is a great tragedy. It's a great tragedy, but it's not a tragedy that we're going to cry about. We're just going to change it. And as a church family, we are absolutely committed to naming the name of Jesus amongst unreached people groups on this globe. We have missionaries all through the 1040 window. We're hoping to send a lot of you out there. Jesus is real.
1: What's one of your life's goals? Well, today, Pastor Daniel shared that the Apostle Paul's goal was to preach the gospel to those who haven't heard it before. You'll learn that there are many in the world, even in your own community, who've never heard the good news that Jesus loves them and gave his life so that they can have a relationship with him. Pastor Daniel urged you to be looking for opportunities to share God's love with others. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you You're not a
0: born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, but as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I wanna begin to follow Jesus. I wanna help you do that right now. We're gonna pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it though because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will
1: get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Place a marker in your Bible and join us next time as Pastor Daniel asks you to consider how you treat others. He'll share that most people don't treat others as they ought to. When someone asks Jesus to come into their life, he shares his holiness with them. You'll learn that the Apostle Paul urges you to receive and interact with other believers in a manner worthy of who they are in Christ as precious and holy.